Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast, a quick and informative look into the state of University of South Carolina sports, presented by the State Newspaper. I am your host, Greg Hadley, and I am joined by do-it-all reporter Ben Briner. Ben, I guess the good news is football season's almost over. This long, weird, depressing season for South Carolina fans has almost come to an end. We were in College Station to witness a 30-6 USC loss to Texas A&M that officially ended South Carolina's shot at a bowl. And like most of the season, it seemed like the main issue for South Carolina was just the complete and utter inability to get anything going on offense. It was bad. It was real bad. This offense has not been good most of the season, and we saw another game where the running game just didn't go. Ryan Linsky was slinging for his life out there. He was getting pressured. He was getting hit. Took a particularly nasty one kind of later on in the game and started having some issues, maybe with communication, but his balls just weren't kind of getting to the places they needed to go. They missed, I think, what was the first 10 third downs, give or take? And a lot of that was not being in a good position on third downs because when you have two runs longer than 10 yards and one of them is a punter scrambling, that's not going to get it done. And it just has been sort of a mess and really was down in, in College Station. Yeah, kept on. I mean, after App State, you thought you had maybe seen rock bottom. And to be fair, Texas A&M is a much more talented team. But that was the lowest point total on the year and the lowest yardage total on the year. The fewest points scored in an SEC game or tied for the fewest points scored in an SEC game since, I think, 2006. And um, the absence of Brian Edwards, the top receiver, came in with a knee injury that had reportedly not limited him in practice, but then he comes and he's not ready to play. How big an impact do you think his, his absence had? Well, he's kind of been one of the few reliable playmakers on this team. They haven't had a lot. Tavian Feaster's another one. He was out. They're missing a bunch of secondary playmakers, and... It really showed, also especially because Shai Smith, after catching a 41-yard bomb, appeared to be grabbing at his hamstring. Muschamp didn't say anything about it afterwards, but he definitely seemed to pull himself, and he didn't really contribute that much beyond that. And when he's limited, literally your top pass-catching threat is probably Kyle Markway, who is a really nice kid and actually a pretty good story for you know how he came back from injury, but he's not a dynamic dude with the ball in his hand, and... He was pretty much their best pass catcher. They're just in rough shape on that front, and it kind of trickles down to everything else on the offense because you've got Xavier Leggett making plays where he can, but I believe he also had a hamstring issue. And without any of those pieces, eventually you're just not going to be able to do very much no matter what you scheme, no matter what you call. And you had you know moments that probably could have turned things a little that didn't work out, like a pass that Leggett probably would have had to reach pretty far for, but also got his hands on that would have been a touchdown. And you had a Shai Smith throw on a trick play that I think was dropped after the tackle. So not only was it a case of South Carolina not having the horses, but also things being a little disjointed and not kind of getting those 50-50 plays. Yeah, with Edwards, it just seemed like, you know, at least you had a wide receiver position group that could get along. And without him, there was just no group on that offense that that was playing effectively. After the game, Coach Will Muschamp was asked about offensive coordinator Brian McClendon, who has taken a lot of heat. Muschamp had talked in the week going in about getting more creative and less predictable with the run game. And the run game was just 100% stifled yet again. 
Let's take a quick listen to what he said when asked about how he would evaluate Brian McClendon and what his status is moving forward. No, we'll, we'll, we're going to move forward like we have been and figure out what we need to do to be productive against them. You anticipate Brian Collins? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, listening to that, knowing kind of what's going on around this and how, how much the offense has struggled, what do you see as Brian McClendon's future? And what, if anything, can South Carolina hope to do better against Clemson? That last question is incredibly bleak when I start trying to run it through my head. Um, I'll start with that one. I don't really know. Get players back and, and hope for the best? I mean, you look at the damage they did last year to Clemson. You had Keel Pollard making big plays. You had Debo Samuel making big plays. Those guys aren't out there anymore. You had a healthy Shy Smith who was doing a lot of damage. You don't have a healthy Shy Smith right now. And you had a, a left tackle that is now in the NFL. I mean, you at least had some pieces last year. It could get pretty ugly against Clemson, especially because they're kind of gunning for a college football playoff spot. They're gunning for seeding, and with the dearth of well-rated teams on their schedule, they pretty much just have to stomp everyone in their path. And I uh, guess what South Carolina is going to be right in the middle of that path. So I don't really know what they can do better because, you know, I think we're on week four or five and maybe six in a row of what can this offense do better? And Will Muschamp has been saying the same thing. Uh, I think we're about four or five, six weeks into talking about need to scheme to put people in better position to make plays, which is sort of a truism at this point, and people are getting kind of tired of. On the McClendon side, I just don't see a ton of situations where he comes back. This isn't reported. This is just more speculative. But right now, I think I looked it up, and they're 115th in yards per play against FBS competition. And there have been injuries, and they've played a good schedule, and that makes sense. I think in a schedule-adjusted metric, they're about 93rd in offense. And you just don't hold on to jobs when you do that, and your head coach is, is under fire, and that's the lower-achieving side of the ball. Like, those things come together, and head coaches make choices to hold on to the jobs they have. And realistically, that probably ends with Brian McClendon looking for a new job. He did a very good job last year. This year has not been good by any stretch, and I kind of imagine we'll be seeing Will Muschamp move on to his fifth offensive coordinator unless things fall a certain way and he doesn't come back himself. And it's it's, it's kind of a tough deal because Brian McClendon's, by all accounts, a pretty nice guy, but yeah, it just hasn't worked out at all. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the success he had last year. Coach Muschamp referenced that in his Sunday teleconference. What do you think the big change has been from last year to this? Is it just the quality of the, the pieces? Well, at the start, I think it's losing Debo Samuel. And it's weird to say that one guy makes that much of a difference, but he was such a big play threat. He was such a talent. He was such a a piece. I think losing him kind of destabilized things in a certain way. I think it doesn't really help the offensive line went from a group that had, you know, a Dennis Daly, a Zach Bailey. You still have Donnell Stanley. Sidarius Hutcherson is one of the guards. And you had those as kind of anchor pieces. And this year, 
Sedarius Hutchinson's been a, a bit inconsistent at left tackle. Dylan Wanham was fine at the beginning of the year and then got hurt. And then you had a freshman replacing him, and he really has looked a step slow since he came back. They had to sub in two new guards and shake up the middle of the offensive line through the middle of the season, and their pass protection has caused a lot of issues, and some of their run blocking has also caused some issues. And also last year, they had four tight ends that they at least trusted to kind of be solid. And this year, they had two, one of whom missed the first game and has torn an ACL. They just haven't had nearly the depth of playmakers, nearly the depth of options. And you have a freshman quarterback who's trying to figure it all out in the middle of it. And you've had these injuries that have just made the receiving core kind of a mess. So I think it's it's a lot of factors. I think losing Debo is a really big one. And I think this year we're kind of seeing sort of what his ability to take a slant and go just really meant to this kind of offense overall. Looking at the other side of the ball, the defense, the overall statistics that South Carolina put up against Texas A&M weren't quite as good as what they did against App State. Kind of broke down a little bit towards the end. And you and I were talking about this earlier, about how much time of possession versus possession versus getting off the field on thirds downs, how much of that all plays a role could you maybe explain how you see it as, you know, what was the real issue? So time possession for a long time was this sort of baseline standard of an offense being able to control the clock, control the game, all that kind of stuff. The the popularization of hurry up kind of really explosive offenses sort of changed that dynamic because in the past when you went three yards in a cloud of dust, time possession was the measure of possession. You held the ball longer, whatnot. Well, if you're trying to snap the ball 10 seconds faster, you're obviously going to put a dent in your time possession. Also, if you're trying to get a defense off balance and break something explosive, that will likewise put a dent in your time possession, but in a good way. If you get three first downs and then punt, you might have three or four times the time possession than if you just break an 80-yard play. But obviously, you want that 80-yard play. So possession is good to pay attention to in the sense that it tells you if a team is at least, you know, keeping its defense off the field, if it's stringing together drives. And in South Carolina's case, we already kind of know that there really aren't that many explosive plays. So that kind of helps with with our assessment, because in a lot of cases, you know, Baylor, uh, back when they had our Bryles, for example, they would never have good time possession because they're always hurrying up and they're always breaking enormous runs. So they might have an 80-yard two-minute drive that another team might take four or six minutes to get. In this case, you kind of had a little of that because South Carolina was trying to hurry up. It was the underdog, and they kind of thought that would be a curveball changeup. And Jimbo Fisher, uh, Texas A&M's coach, is known for a very deliberate pro style. So ultimately, I think South Carolina definitely lost possession. And you could see that because they had a lot of trouble staying on the field, whereas Texas A&M for long stretches did not have that much trouble staying on the field. Now, there were moments when South Carolina's defense did the same thing, but South Carolina's offense never really was able to generate kind of enough grinding first downs to sort of generate something that at least took something off the shoulders of their defense. Defense ends up playing 80 snaps against a team that isn't trying to hurry it up and really ends up wearing down. The tackling kind of falls apart late, and they start taking risks late and give up some big plays. It was interesting because I remember looking at the numbers at the end of the game and saying, I think Texas A&M averaged 6.8 yards a play, which is a tremendous number. But even with that, it seemed like the defense played well most of the day. As Will Muschamp pointed out several times, it was a two-possession game going into the fourth quarter. It was 13-3, to and it was kind of a weird sensation because even at that time, you just didn't believe that South Carolina's offense could generate enough to make it a game. But it was still technically close. 
but the defense just kind of was ground into dust, basically. Yeah, it definitely was a case of not a good matchup for South Carolina in the sense that, well, there aren't at this juncture a ton of good matchups for South Carolina, but a team that is pretty content to lean on them and had enough defense to just sort of chase them off the field again and again and again. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. And uh, actually, before the Texas A&M game on Friday, Athletics Director Ray Tanner issued a statement of support for Will Muschamp, saying in part that Coach Muschamp would be South Carolina's coach going forward. Uh, Didn't specify anything more than that. He later said in a radio interview he didn't want to put out that statement, but he felt like he had to. He wasn't comfortable doing it, but he wasn't comfortable staying silent. What do you think is the impact of this statement, and does this change anything, or is it just posturing? I think it says that Ray Tanner likes his head coach enough to not let him twist in the wind in a public sense. I don't know that it necessarily means anything for his future as a coach, because frankly, I don't necessarily know that these decisions are even 100% made at this juncture. They don't have to make it for two weeks, to be honest, and it would take the opinion of the new president, Robert Caslin. It would take Ray Tanner's opinion. The board of trustees probably has a few thoughts. It would take accepting the fact that they would pay up to $4 million for the next five years to get rid of him, probably a little less with mitigation and some other factors. But still, that's a lot of money. I think it was notable because the AD came out and said something nice about his football coach. But in the end, multiple people said, what does going forward mean? And Ray Tanner's answer to those people was was kind of the statement speaks for itself, which is to say that there's no commitment on, does this mean he's coming back in 2020? So it just kind of hangs out there. I know the SEC Network folks kind of got into it and said it doesn't look good at all and it might hurt recruiting, which seemed a little strange to me because I don't know why it would hurt recruiting any more than going four and eight and having these questions swirl around the team unless he literally came back and just said, Will Muschamp's going to be back next year. So ultimately, I think it was a it was a nice gesture and maybe an attempt to kind of tamp down the buzz that had built through the week. But then you take a bad loss to Texas A&M and you're probably going to take a bad loss to Clemson and that buzz is just going to kind of keep hanging out there really no matter what happens because it's kind of ingrained in the fans at this point. Yeah, no statement is going to erase the record for sure. And I also thought it was notable after that bad loss that we were talking about that Coach Muschamp came out and you know was addressing some topics surrounding the statement that Tanner said and the support he's received from the administration. And he made a comment about he plans to take South Carolina where it's never been before. And he planned that when he got here, and he still plans to do that. And it was almost a, def- a defiant tone that he was taking you know, amidst a lot of speculation about his future, he was saying, I'm I'm here and I'm still taking this whole thing places. What was your take on that? I think it reflected to a degree a lot of the way that Will Muschamp has spoken about this team and about this program since he got here. I think a lot of his 
uh, salesmanship, especially when it comes to the recruiting trail, has been built around saying he believes this program can at some point, not in a super long term, but maybe in a medium term, compete at a really high level in the SEC. And I mean, this is a coach that I think I have this right, was saying his goal in his first year when the roster was kind of a mess was to go to Atlanta for the SEC title game. And that was, at that moment, a really bullish thing to say. And, you know, the the team's mottos are beat the East and win the state, which are, of course, the team's goals, but they're literally, you know, plastered on walls and put out right in front of stuff. And, of course, when you you put out those kind of goals, you're saying those are the goals, which means that when you don't do it, which to this point through four years, South Carolina has done neither of those things, people can say, hey, you, you have these big goals and... In eight tries, you've missed all of them. And that wears on people because, you know, you're being sold this idea that you can get to that point and and you haven't yet. And obviously, South Carolina has only won the East once. Uh, The SEC was particularly down that year. And South Carolina, upon getting to Atlanta, kind of hung sort of close to Auburn for nearly a half and then gave up a big bomb at the end of the half and then ended up giving up 56 points. So... I think he believes that he can get this program to where he thinks he can get it, but I think it also, tonally, it makes things hard when you're a program that kind of has South Carolina's history, and making that sort of jump probably is more about building a base than, you know, leaping to that height really quickly. People tend to want to look at the the leaping to that height. But I think that's always kind of been Will Muschamp's approach. And we've seen that definitely, that kind of situation, not exactly, but parts of it were sort of what happened, uh, impacted what happened at Florida State, where Willie Taggart talked a pretty big game, and then two and a half years in, people already could say, well, you thought that you could get the program back on stable footing in two years, and clearly two years in, it doesn't look uh, as if they're close to that stable footing. A rather depressing note to end on, but we will be having more men's and women's basketball coverage. That's a lot more fun. Well, we are we are very tired from the trip to to College Station, and 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 went a very long way to see uh, well, not a lot of South Carolina offense when it's all said and done. Very true. But we will be back on Wednesday with a little bit more football coverage and more basketball coverage as well. So remember to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.